Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast dedicated to the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. I am your host, Scott Chaloner, and today, as always, we'll be projecting the voices of real and authentic business leaders from across the nation and telling their real-life stories of success and innovation. Joining me on today's program is Artyom Yakintsev, founder and CEO of Advert2. Um, Artyom, welcome to the show, and a pleasure to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure. It is a pleasure having you with us today as well, Artyom. Certainly is uh, not the nicest day for it, but luckily we're inside and away from the cold. Um, now, your business, um, just to sort of set the scene there, um, it's the fastest growing transit media owner in the UK is Adverto, and it enables advertisers to sort of thrust their brands onto the roads of the country via a network of 40,000 drivers, I think that it is that you have. And you played such a huge role in building up the UK market from the ground within this sector. Um, so what sort of work and levels of dedication have gone into making that possible? Well, I think it, it really, really comes down to our team. Um, uh, from the very beginning, from the inception of the company, really, uh, the goal was to hire the best talent, regardless where, where the talent is based around the world. Uh, when we set up the business back in 2015, it was just a simple idea of just connecting advertisers to the drivers and making the platform income for those drivers that needed it. Um, and at that point, uh, we didn't have any funding. Uh, I had a bit of capital in my back pocket from the previous ventures, and we were really trying to assemble the team who was passionate about the idea of actually creating this marketplace. And essentially, a lot of founding employees within the company were and still are uh, were working on the sweat equity, and they're going to convert into the, into the paid role. And therefore, we had a huge churn of people who were come in just for the idea and then realize that it's not kind of working out and then leaving. And it was a quite a painful process, about three years, to actually build this product from the ground up. And we only retain uh, the people who are the most passionate about the product and will stick with the company through a second thing. And I believe uh, kind of the real success and the reason why we are where we are right now is purely because we have those people sticking with us through the difficult times. It just goes to show the story of your business, doesn't it, that a leader of a company, of anything really, is only as good as the people that they surround themselves with. And so building that right team of people around you, taking them on board with you, making sure they're passionate about that vision that you're trying to uh, achieve and really buying into that. It's so, so important for business to be successful. Yeah, absolutely, Joshua. Because, uh, well, realistically, what company is, it's just a bunch of people under the common flag. There's nothing more to it. That's exactly right. And something as well that we're extremely passionate about here at the Leaders' Council particularly is actually making the younger generations aware of that, inspiring up-and-coming, budding entrepreneurs and business leaders. And this is also something that you do sort of away from your business work, isn't it? You spend some of your spare time as a mentor at the University of Greenwich as part of one of their startup programs. Um, how sort of rewarding is it taking part in something like that, where you're building up that next generation of business people um it's really my way to give back uh because i just need to a bit of a but uh, tell you a bit of a backstory of why i am supporting exactly that organization and well i was start on university the idea of adversity came to me when i was kind of on the second year of university and the reason i came back i uh, came up with that idea is that i was actually trying to develop a peer-to-peer car lending platform and the idea of that platform was that if you own a vehicle and you uh, 
units say only on the weekends, you might as well rent it out from Monday to Friday. So the there are quite a few companies right now that do that, such as say Hyacar or Turo, but back in the days it was quite a novel idea. So in the middle of building that business, um, I started experimenting with performance marketing channels and really trying to understand whether the unit economics will align for that platform to work. Uh, while only advertising for the performance marketing channels, I saw that the cost of user acquisition was through the roof and it just didn't make much economic sense to continue. Uh, the only way to reduce the cost of user acquisition was through uh, increasing brand awareness. The cheapest way to increase the brand awareness is, as we know, is through the out-of-home advertising. However, when I went to the out-of-home advertising media owners, specialists or media agencies, no one could really tell me how to reach my kind of ideal user personas in the market when I wanted to reach them. The best response I received uh, was just put some money on the bus, see what happens. This wasn't kind of the response I was expecting, so that forced me to kind of convert that platform into adversity and kind of make offline advertising as easy, as flexible, and as accessible as digital advertising, but in a physical form. But obviously, by just reading the internet and kind of reading the books and trying to figure out how to build it, is not going to get you far, right? So while at university, um, I went to my economics professor and I told him about the idea and the economics professor told me about this um, kind of accelerator slash uh, incubator business school that the university was running at the time. And they had the business planning competition uh, that was happening every single year and I've decided to apply. And essentially as part of the business planning competition, they assigned me a mentor and the mentor, uh, his name is John Fricker, uh, he was from this media out of home background and he actually helped me to navigate this waters of kind of misleading information and really build out products and uh, build out an initial business plan and kind of sharpen the idea. So I think that was the initial launch pad for me to actually go and build that business up. And then now I think it's my time to give back to those entrepreneurs and I find it very, very rewarding when I see that now I can help someone else to build up Launchpad and actually accelerate the company into what they want to build it in. It's fantastic, isn't it? Just sort of paving the way for others to sort of follow in your footsteps, as it were, and have their own successful business in whatever market they're trying to find their way in. And um, if you were actually, based on some of your own experiences of building your business, to give one key piece of advice to sort of a young aspiring business person, what advice do you think you, you give them to really sort of get them on the road to success? Um, just treat whatever you are trying to build as a life experience. If you are trying to build a business for money, it's never going to work. You need to be passionate about the product you're building enough that when you see it's actually draining your bank account and you're not making enough money, you need to be passionate about the passionate enough about the problem to actually continue pushing it and continue making it work. But at the end of the day, if the business doesn't work out, please, please, please treat it as part of your overall life experience. Because by trying to build a business, that will give you five years, five years worth of experience of life experience in this span of one year. 
Exactly right. And there are hurdles and there are stumbling blocks in all walks of life and around every corner when it comes to running a business. And we've gone through probably one of the biggest ones in recent times and still are, in fact, in the shape of the COVID-19 pandemic because we haven't quite emerged from the real consequences of that. Um, looking at your business, Sir Martin, actually, um, just how have you found it sort of dealing with the challenges of COVID over the past sort of 15 months or so? Um, yeah, um, obviously, it w- COVID was quite a difficult challenge for us because when you're trying to sell uh, advertising that is out of home and there is no one out of home, no one is actually buying your advertising space. So at that point, it was really um, our main challenge was around people, yet again. And we cut everything with expense within the business, whether it's marketing spend, uh, whether it's office, uh, software, whatever it might be. But our only goal was to make sure that we retain every single person on the full 100% salary. Because we know how challenging it might be with uh, rising rents and how difficult it might be living in London. So our real goal was to make sure that our team stays the same, everyone's happy, and people are not uh, stressing over the COVID-19 as much as everybody else does. Um, but really through the COVID-19, uh, it was difficult for our sector in general and the agencies and the specialists that they were, we were trying to work with, they were obviously letting people go. Uh, a lot of people were on furlough and it was quite a sensitive time to try and to strike a partnership because no one gets the business. So instead of going through our normal way, uh, we've decided to step back and make sure that we first and foremost focus on our technology and making sure that the internal operations operational process are smoothing out, we really take our time to make sure that when we get out of the pandemic, which is hopefully now, um, our business is more scalable. And the second thing that we found out is that instead of kind of trying to go in and tapping into the marketing budget, there was another sector that was rapidly growing through the, through the COVID-19, and that was the delivery sector. And the delivery could be delivery of parcels or food, whatever it might be, and they still need that advertising. Because when people do go out and they do pick up their parcels, they still feel that advertising. And therefore, what we've done, we actually pivoted slightly. We reused that business model, but instead of using our own drivers, we went and we started targeting the likes of Deliveroo, for example, to say, okay, guys, you already brand and motorbikes and bicycles, great, but you do not brand cars. We will actually come in and we will tell you who are your most efficient drivers in the system. And we will create the whole supply chain process to make sure that you can actually wrap those drives and reward your drivers at the same time, which will work as a loyalty program. So we pivoted the, the business slightly and we actually unlocked for ourselves a new revenue stream. And that revenue stream actually allowed us through the COVID-19 to do 10x revenue compared to the last year. And now as we get out of the COVID-19, we retain that business model and we are continuing pushing on that kind of cool media model as well. I know they're pretty much equal in terms of the amount of revenue that they're giving us. At the same time, uh, instead of just retaining the people, uh, we thought it was very, very important to give back and making sure that employees are feeling uh, that we are actually creating real difference, real value through the COVID-19 and we're actually helping the people get through it. So the best way to use our platform was to really understand how many NHS volunteers do we have on the system. At the time, we had, as you mentioned, about 45,000 drivers in the system. 
and what we did, uh, went to all of our community and we asked them who's actually helping the NHS in their free time. And about 16% of them came back confirming, saying that we're helping one or the other organization, either delivering food or delivering medicine, whatever it might be. And what we did, we actually focused on those drivers and we made sure that the advertisers that we still do have in the system can actually help those people stay on the road and help the NHS. Because a lot of those people who are volunteering for the NHS, they are not being paid for the petrol mm-hmm. that they're using. They are not being paid for their time. And what we did, we were focusing on those drivers and we were taking the advertisers that we had to support those people to stay on the road to actually help us to get the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it's, we've seen over the course of the uh, last sort of 12 to 15 months an unprecedented amount of pivoting and innovation and those businesses that have done that successfully have really put themselves on a fantastic footing to go and succeed now that restrictions have eased and things are opening up again and it seems certainly that Adler 2 has managed to, uh, to do that. And um, something else that's come up during the, uh, the pandemic as well that's sort of been thrust into the limelight of the national discussion is also the importance of mental health among not just ourselves as business leaders, but also our clients, our colleagues. And um, there was a recent NHS study of mental health which showed that it is continuing to deteriorate within young people especially. So it seems to be that it's going to be a major priority in the longer term and into the future as well, and future generations are going to need to take this on board. Um, in your view, um, Artyom, just how important is mental health in leadership today, particularly within business? Um, it is super, super important from my perspective. And to support that point of view, uh, you can actually see how many uh, tech companies actually being created on the basis of actually helping employees or people within the companies um, kind of maintain that balance and maintain the mental health. And uh, from my perspective, through the pandemic, the easiest way to actually making sure that everyone is feeling safe is to be very transparent about the company situation. And having a real one-to-one, even over the video call, chat with every single person within the organization to be really transparent where we are as a company, how we're feeling, how much pretty much cash we have left, how much firm we have left, where they are sitting, and that their job is safe. And then after we get out of the COVID-19 pandemic, it is very important to still refocus on those uh, mental health issues and making sure that people are happy within the organization. And it's uh, really about I think building the right team culture and creating the um, kind of safe space within the business. And one thing that uh, really helped us out um, uh, was creating a buddy system within the business. So as you can imagine, if say you're a team of 30, 40 people, um, you typically have uh, either an HR person or a founder that you go back to and kind of report on any problem. But generally, if you do have a problem as an employee, you might find it intimidating if you have a problem with your colleague or if you have a personal issue um, to go back to the founder, to go back to the HR team and try to talk about it because it might be perceived as that will show you kind of as a, as a weak individual and might make you not as stable within the business. So that's why a lot of people actually sit and hide away and they're not actually talking about the issues. So what we did, uh, we created a body system and essentially a buddy uh, could be a person, anyone within the organization, uh, as long as it's pretty much not a direct manager, who a person can come to and talk about their issues. And that person can actually collect 
um, the thoughts from the company and anonymously deliver those thoughts from the group of people back to the founders to actually pick. But then the founders or the HR, they wouldn't know who actually talked about it. So that's going to create a bit of a safer space within, uh, within the company. And I think that should be adopted by more businesses. I think you raised an incredibly important point there because just this morning, actually, I uh, was privy to, um, I think it was a survey from the uh, the law, the legal sector, and it showed that there were a significant proportion of people working in that industry who weren't talking about their sort of ill mental health issues because they were worried about the sort of stigma surrounding that, how they'd be perceived, whether it would affect their reputation and their sort of pathway to progress in the industry. So it is a key thing, and it's not just isolated to that industry. It is across several different ones and it is something that businesses need to be aware of and it's going to require something of a culture change moving forward isn't it yeah yeah absolutely um the culture change is crucial but um i think the leaders should be very very adaptable to actually implementing more and more of those systems Uh and making people safer uh within the company because as you know at the moment it's it's absolutely insane what is happening within the, um, within the within the job market. How hot is the um, candidate market at the moment? And if even if you offer a good market salary to the person, but you are not offering all of those benefits um, of actually making sure that the uh, space is safe for the person, they do have the personal self-development, they do have a time for the personal self-development, they do have the flexibility of working from the office or from home. They do have those group activities going on and they do have that work-life balance. You won't be able to get the best the best balance on the market. So now it's not like a nice to have. It's crucial for the, for the business to adopt that in order to survive. I think you're absolutely right. I think businesses do, in order to secure their longevity, need to show prospective employees that they are considering mental health and well-being at the forefront of their priorities, absolutely. And just discussing priorities, just before we do wrap things up on the programme today, Artyom, um, what are some of your sort of targets and goals going to be over sort of the next 12 months within your business as we look to hopefully move forward out of this COVID era and really into the post-pandemic future? Um, yeah, from our perspective, we really positioned uh, from the very beginning. We positioned ourselves as a big data company, and uh, we, in the next twelve months, we really want to get into that um, new sector for us. And the main goal for us would be to really secure a strong foothold position in the UK and begin expansion into the other regions. And I'm sure in twelve months, uh, you will see what the regions I'm, I'm talking about as well. Hopefully so. Hopefully it will be a real success story to tell in a year from now. And I think actually, Artem, just given how sort of enlightening it's been having you join us today, I'd actually relish the opportunity to catch up with you maybe in a year's time and just see how that vision of yours is coming along and sort of where you've managed to expand into within the time between our chats. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it's been great. Uh, it's been a great podcast. It's been a great experience. Thank you so much for inviting me, Joshua. And as always, at any given point, we'll be happy to catch up again. And uh, yeah, elaborate again how our culture evolves, uh, maybe my um, thought as a leader evolves as well, and where we are as a business. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, Artyom, uh, hopefully uh, do um, take care and stay safe with everything that's still going on in the world because we're not quite out of the woods yet, but I think we're very, very close. And best of luck over the uh, the next year. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Joshua.
And if you are a listening leader as well within any walk of life and you'd like to come and join us on the podcast and have your voice heard on the national stage, then by all means, please do visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. It was a pleasure welcoming Advertus Artyom Yakintsev onto the programme today, and I do hope all of you thoroughly enjoyed the interview today. Um, Until next time, I'll be taking up my usual spot in the Westminster Arms and raising a glass to outstanding leadership. And hopefully, as we enter the colder months, we won't see any further containment of freedoms and can continue enjoying what we know now as the new normal life. Remember, everyone, please do continue, despite everything, to look after yourselves and be considerate of others because it does still make such a key difference in keeping people safe and ultimately saving lives. Take care now and goodbye. Until next time.